Welcome to We Are Just Christians. We thank you so much for tuning into the show today. We really appreciate it. Hope you can stay with us for the rest of the hour. This is a live call-in show. As you know, if you're a listener, and we'll be giving you the numbers and way to, ways to contact us here at the station in, in just a moment, if you'll bear with us. But we appreciate you tuning in. And this show is about being a first-century Christian, like the Bible uh, pictures, here in the 21st century to take the things the New Testament says and try to bring them into a real-life situation here in, in the time that we live in. And that's how you become a New Testament Christian, by, not by following and repeating the customs, traditions, and, and the uh, doctrines of men, whether they be religious or secular, but by following what the New Testament says and following that as a guide for your life. So that's what the show is about. We try to always put things back on a plain reading of the scriptures as best we can. And we're always going to point you to what the Bible says about whatever subject we're discussing, whether you call in about it or, or write us or whether we're talking about it. So let me give you the numbers. You can reach the show here. We are just Christians at 772-340-1590. 772-340-1590 is the call-in number. Let me mention real quickly a couple of the ground rules, the way we do this. We're, we're glad to have you call about any subject that's on your mind. It doesn't matter if we're talking about that subject or not. We'll be glad to take any, any kind of comment or question you have about whatever it is. We don't mind if you disagree with us. In fact, that's sometimes very interesting if you disagree. Or if you're not even a believer in Christ or the Bible, you can call in. We certainly aren't going to attack you or belittle you. Uh, in any way, we may disagree, but that's fine. We're going to, and we're then because of that, uh, especially if you disagree, we're always going to give you the last word on whatever subject it is so that you don't feel like we're trying to dominate or use you in some way. But that show is about conversation. So we'd like to have a conversation with you about whatever subject is on your mind. Maybe something bad happened to you uh, growing up about with religion, or maybe you had a bad memories about that, or maybe you've seen uh, things happen in church or with religious people that you like to talk about, or maybe there's some Bible doctrine that you have a question about, don't understand or don't believe, we'd be glad to talk with you about that. And you may find out that we don't believe it either. Could be, right? Because a lot of things that are taught in religious circles are not what the Bible teaches. So that's why we're always going to point you back to that. You can also reach us by text message during the show and during the week. There's two of it, two numbers here. One is mine. I'm Mike, and my number is 772-260-6120, 772-260-6120. And Gary Jones, my partner, how you doing, Gary? I'm Didn't doing fine this morning, Mike. I didn't even say hi to you, but we sit across the table from each other here and, and go back and forth. But uh, uh, Gary's text number is 772-260-6220. 772-260-6220. So we'd be glad to uh, take your text, agree or disagree. During the show, we'll do our best to answer or at least make comments about it on the air if we can. Uh, if not, you can text us during the week, and we'd be glad to hear from you. We also get emails. In fact, I think we went over a couple of emails the last week or two that we've had. And uh, you can reach us by email for the show at justchristians 
at att.net. Just Christians at att.net. That's the email address, and we'd be glad to have you email. We, we can't follow the email during the show. I, it's just We're barely capable of even talking on the air, much less doing text and email on the air. Not only uh, so that, but Mike dropped his pen, and yeah, he's fumbling I for it. Yeah, so I, know, <laughs> I, I, don't have a, I don't have an assistant here. Where's Judy when I need her? I don't have an assistant here to do everything for me, keep me on track. Judy's my wife, by the way. So anyway, uh, she usually keeps me uh, upright and, you know, pushes me forward and says, here, talk. So, you know, then she pushes a button and I talk. That's kind of the way that life works. <laughs> but anyway, um, that's the email, justchristians at att.net. There's other ways to listen to the show, both live and recorded, if you're interested. And you can, we really love it if you tell your friends about this. Uh, and uh, have them listen to the show. But if, if you go to WPSL.com, you can click the Listen Live button on their website. They have a button that says Listen Live. Click that. It'll take you right to the show on Sunday mornings. If, you're, if you can't uh, listen on a radio, maybe your radio is in your car like mine is. And, and so that's the way to listen to the show. Uh, you can also listen on the TuneIn Radio app. Just ask for WPSL 1590. All your Alexa devices and Google Chrome devices, all those uh, kind of devices that you have in your home, those speaker devices, all you have to do is ask it for WPSL 1590. It'll take you to the show while it's on the air. We also have a podcast, so if you can't listen to it uh, live, we have people that uh, have it sent to their phone or device as a podcast. Some people go on the website and listen to this show there and download it if you want to, but that is found at our website for the church and the radio show, which is wearejustchristians.com. Wearejustchristians.com. So anyway, I take a for, for first part of the show with all that stuff, but I would like to get people uh, how they can get a hold of us, tell them how they can get a hold of us and contact us, particularly contact us if you'd like to speak to us this morning. We'd be glad to hear from you uh, today about that. So in any event, let's get to what a couple things going on today, Gear. Now you... You said you mentioned something. Something happened. You just mentioned before, before the show started. What was on your mind? Here? Oh, I was I was listening as I was getting ready this morning to uh, one of the televangelists, and basically I was uh, listening to what he had to say. And and don't get me wrong, they're they're not all. I don't I don't disapprove of everything they say, but every once in a while they kind of get off on a tangent, Mike, and with a lot of assumptions and. Uh, in in this case, uh, he had it all figured out, just exactly what heaven was like, and what we would be doing in heaven, and how would we how would we be working there? And and I agree basically that we'll probably be doing things and some things that people may even consider uh, work. But uh, I just don't see in the scriptures myself that that everything is so well defined for us about heaven. And I was going to say, what what do you think about that? Well, I, well I, I don't think the Bible has a lot to say specifically about heaven. And you have to look in the Bible about verses. Some people think that some verses are talking about heaven that aren't talking about heaven. And then you have to understand how the Bible presents what it says about heaven. heaven. You know, And so some of that is not understood or not taken properly with, by people, not, not, not really evaluated properly in that sense. But, uh, yes, heaven, now to the Hebrews, there were seven heavens, maybe really three heavens that were basic. The first heaven was the sky here, the atmosphere where birds fly. Right. 
The second, now this is not in the Bible per se. You draw it from the Bible that God created the heavens and the earth, pictured flying birds and so forth. The second heaven was the place, what we would call outer space today. They didn't call it outer space. But uh, we would call it outer space where the sun, the moon, and the stars are. Okay, that, That's the second the heaven. The realm of the, the sun, realm moon, of the sun, stars. moon, and stars. The third heaven then was the dwelling place of God, which was invisible to the eye. And that's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12 that he was taken up into the third, the third heaven, heaven. Uh, in that case. Now, that's, that's a, a brief view of what the Hebrews thought. But really, some say there are seven heavens because they would divide that last one up a little bit. They divide them up a little bit differently. And um, you have a place called Paradise in the Bible where Jesus went, which is unseen, the realm of Hades. And, uh, and and paradise where the dead are after they after they are alive here on earth the spirits of the dead <clears throat> both righteous and unrighteous go to this place called Hades which includes a place for the righteous and a place for the wicked that's a heaven some people would say and then other places then then you go to the place as they say right before the throne of God is a picture of the book of Revelation where there's a sea of glass and all the other things in God's direct presence. We're all in God's presence all the time in that, <clears throat> in that sense. But, <clears throat> pardon me, there is a sense in which the Bible pictures there's another direct presence of God, face-to-face, it would say. Right. Us. And uh, I don't know if you have to wear a mask in the presence of God, a face mask, because you might, you know, get the, some kind of bug. But in any event, <laughs> there's a whole big theological thing about covering faces, by the way. But in any event, uh, that's th- that's a basic view and and you see references to this like i mentioned paul saying was taken up into the third heaven and he called it paradise in that sense and he saw unspeakable things and things he couldn't speak about that he was was, i think he's saying that it's impossible to put in human words the things he saw and he was even perhaps prohibited from speaking about those things because god only only reveals so much the Bible just doesn't tell us everything about heaven. I don't think it can tell us because we live in a world that can't. we can only communicate with it or understand it in a tangential way. Uh, one of the most impressive things to me that I think I learned about heaven was uh, actually from one of the, the stories that Jesus told in Luke 16 about the rich man and Lazarus. And, and that kind of opens up some of the organization that I see in it. Uh, and that's in Luke 16. It begins about verse 19, I think. And one of the uh, one of the most impressive things about about this to me, okay, and I may this may not impress other people, but to me it seems that when uh, when the rich man is talking to Abraham or Father Abraham, as he calls him here. Uh, he's wanting things to happen, and he's asking requests, and the reply is he is told to remember that while he was on earth that he had the good things and Lazarus had the bad things, and that surprised me because people say, well, you don't take anything with you. Well, Well, you you do take take your consciousness with you, your memory, right? You take your memories with you. We have a call on the line, so Jerry, if if you'll just hold on for a second, let Gary finish his thought. No, that's that's what I wanted to say. Yes, and, and so uh, that it's important that we remember that that when we get to heaven, we're going to have memories of what we did here on this earth. Yes, we're not going to be anything different than we are now. We're not going to have a physical body. We'll have a spiritual body if we're in heaven, and our spirits will be the same. They'll be perhaps changed in some way, 
but we're going to be have our identity as, as we would say as humans. Uh, Jerry, are you there? How are you? Good. I'm good. How are you? I'm here. Okay. Um, if I understood the question, Gary, are you still there, Jerry? You're saying when a person meditates, is that ESP? Well, I, must, I think that's what he said. I, I believe is that right, Gary? Or, or when he receive when when he receives a communication from God. From I God think. is that okay? Yeah. Well, um, we've we've, t- we've talked about this in various forms, perhaps not under this ESP extrasensory per- extrasensory perception uh, was popular subject back in the late sixties, early seventies. I remember I was a young I was a boy, a teenager perhaps, and read about this. Extrasensory would mean beyond the five senses. Touch, taste, touch, taste, see, smell, and whatever the other one is. <laughs> here, <laughs> here. Beyond those five senses, is there some way of communicating? And uh, I, I don't know if, if the Bible actually says, the Bible doesn't say that, that we can communicate with each other in any way except in some fashion using our body even if we speak to one another and talk about metaphysical things and thoughts are not physical the thought itself is not physical but the way I can the only way I can communicate that thought to you would be by some physical means by writing it down by showing you a picture uh, by tapping it out typing out some kind of code mentally on it on there or or by telling you with words, so you hear it, hear it audibly. The only way I can communicate with another person is through through a physical means. Well, there, there, there's an. Now, we haven't got to God yet. But we'll just yeah. say with well, start there with a person. Right, and and I was going to mention something about the only thing I was I was trying to think of what does the Bible say about how did how did God communicate with man. Uh, and and maybe I'm getting ahead of you a little bit here. You are a little bit, but go ahead. But um, and I, I thought of Acts two and in beginning verse seventeen, where he quotes Joel, where Peter quotes Joel. He says, "It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams." Mm-hmm. And, and he doesn't mention anything about just putting ideas into the thoughts of man. He's, he's, he's doing it here through visions and dreams. And I know that basically when we That's a more back, direct method, though, yeah. than right. touching or say, speaking yes. per se. Well, it's not a physical method in that, you know, you do it with your body. If you see a vision, you're, you're sort of away from consciousness. A right, bit. a little bit. Well, one of our a texture, John says that you can use body language. Well, body language is a form of physical communication. It's very inaccurate. I'm only a partial believer that you can communicate through body language. You, there are probably some universal body positions. There are probably some pretty good body language liars out there. Yes, too, but body it? language is certainly not as clear as other forms. But it's still a physical thing that you're doing. It's I, I would classify it under sight. You can't communicate with body language until unless I can see you. Uh, you see, so so there's a there's a visual cue that you're getting there. It's not ex, it's not extrasensory. Body language is not extrasensory. I'm, now, maybe I'm wrong about that. I'm just kind of saying that off the cuff. But pa- Paul says this, though, about communication. I think, Gary, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going 
I'm going to get a running start at my verse. Okay. okay. If you want to read, if you want, if you all want to turn to First Corinthians chapter two, um, Paul says in verse three, "I was with you." Speaking of the Corinthian to Greek Christians, I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling, and my speech and my preaching. Now those are audible means of communication, right? Well, well I was just even thinking. if you wrote them down, it's visual. Well, I was just thinking even when it comes to God talking, um, basically when when Samuel was called, God spoke. Right. And Samuel There's heard it. He heard it. Okay, right. so did Abraham. He spoke right. to Abraham, and Abraham apparently heard the speaking. So there was not this. In general, God's, God yeah. communicates with man through his senses, yes. five senses. And not in general, I'm not going to say it's never any other way because we can go and look at some other passages. And we're kind of answering this without... Uh, well, I have tremendous preparation, Jerry asked us, so we're going to talk a little, get a little running start right. of this here. But he I'm, says, go ahead, Gary. I'm, I'm just going on what I can remember yes, in the scriptures. I haven't exactly. done a detailed study right. of it. Uh, he says, so he, he said he, he, they were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and the power. And he goes on to say, verse 6, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, and so forth. But we speak, verse 7, the wisdom of God in a mystery, hidden wisdom. And he goes on to say, as it is written, verse 9, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered in the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now, by the way, ironically enough, that's a passage I was going to use to say that some people say that's talking about heaven, but that passage is not talking about heaven. That's talking about the age we live in, the church that was coming, and from the standpoint of the prophets. But anyway, he says, I has not seen or heard or has entered into the heart of man things which God has prepared for them, but God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we receive not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of God, from God, we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. And these things we speak. So Paul says, yes, the Spirit revealed God's mind to us, things we couldn't know any other way, and he, how did he do it? He revealed it to the minds of the apostles, and they spoke it to us. So God communicates to man essentially through the spoken word, which involves written word and spoken word. And he says something clear here about ESP, I think. This may, may be the most direct passage about extrasensory perception. He says here that what, uh, what ma- for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man who is in him? What's that mean? It's a rhetorical question. How can I know what Gary is thinking right now unless Gary tells me? I can't. That's his point. And we can't know what God is thinking unless God tells us. And he says God did tell us, and I'm telling you through the words that I speak what God has said. And therefore, through the words he wrote down. And what he, we wrote, he wrote down words. That's how God, God communicates with man through words. And we communicate to each other through words or other forms of physical action. So I, I don't believe in ESP in a general way because I don't believe anybody can know what's in a man unless the man tells him in some way what I'm thinking, what, what's on my mind. Okay? Uh, you can guess. You can use body language. You can take a good guess. You can watch me raise my eyebrow or shrug my shoulders, but you're still using physical communication. But more importantly, you still don't really know until I tell you. you well, see. even in Galatians 1, he, 
Paul when he talks about uh, not preaching another gospel. He says, but even if we are an angel from heaven, an angel from heaven, preach another gospel. The point was, he said, preach another gospel. The implication is speaking again. Right. Now, the only place that, that that's a little bit different is in verse 11, where he talks about how he got, you know, for I received it neither from man nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. So th that's about the only the only scripture that I can that comes to my mind right now that might imply a direct thought process to Paul. But you see, the the Bible is limiting God's communication with men in general to the words right. of the apostles and prophets and through His Son. He tells us to hear Him. If you want to know what I think, hear ye Him. And so the question of whether I can we've talked about this on other subject other other shows the question of whether I can sit around and have a personal conversation with God and know that God is telling me things is something the Bible the New Testament in particular is saying no there were certain men that God revealed his will to those men were called apostles and prophets those men wrote down like Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3 verses 3 through 5 he said, we, you, I wrote these things down that God by revelation gave these things to me. And I wrote them down in a few words whereby when you read them, you can know my knowledge of the mystery. And that, that's actually Ephesians 3 verse 4. He right, says, three, about which when yeah. you read, you right. may understand. Right. Now, so I'm, that's I'm, how God communicates to us today. Not by you deciding to sit down and, and just have a meditation and let God mind kind of let things come into your mind that's the way you get off track when you do that okay well i'm, I'm just looking here through the through some of the, the scriptures that i can remember mike in matthew and mark when jesus was on the earth and people ask him questions it looks like there's 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 almost like uh nine or ten times where his reply was have you not read meaning that they should be reading their own scripture, their, their Old Testament scripture that would answer the question basically that they're asking him. Right, right. So his emphasis again throughout uh, the Gospels is, have you not read this, okay, or have that's you not read? That's what Jesus kept that's, asking. If you and that's what, what Jesus says, says when they, would say, well, when they ask thing, him he, a question. He would say, have you not read this? And you should already know this because you could have read it in the Old Testament. So that's, that's why I don't believe that human beings can communicate with each other through ESP or extrasensory perception. I think some people would like to think that they can do that. And there are people, Gary, that are better at reading other people's emotions or facial expressions than others. Um, I, and I, I do think, for example, my experience says that women are generally better at reading other people's emotional state than men are. Men are a little bit more... Uh, not not as a willing to able to do that. They're not looking at things the same way, but some people can look at the various clues, the way you're acting, the general context. They can get an idea, perhaps about your mood. Will they know exactly what you're thinking? The answer is unequivocally no. They won't know what you're thinking, because just because I'm acting what you think might be sad, you certainly don't know what I'm thinking or what I might be sad about, or what's making me sad. You, you could be completely wrong, and that's happened, happened over and over and over again in life, you see. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to go back to this idea of reading again, because it's not just in Ephesians 3. Uh, basically, in Colossians, I think it's chapter 4, verse 16, he says, Now when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. 
He's telling you, these Correct. writings, you should be circulating among yourselves. You should be reading these things to understand. Exactly. So uh, we, we, go, we keep going back to that, but I, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's a good thing to think and to live a life based on the fact that somehow you can walk around reading other people's minds. You're going to be a, a bull in a china shop. It's going to be very dangerous. And, and I know that this is, look, I know from doing marriage counseling for 45 years, and being in my own marriage for 45 years, that the idea that you can figure out what people are thinking without actually having a conversation with them is a dangerous and destructive thing. And too many, too many people think that my husband should know what I'm thinking just because he's around me. Yeah, if you love me, you if would If you love it. me, you would know. That is completely unbiblical thinking, and it's simply impractical thinking. Or the husband... Because you think, well, she should know. After all, she's been married to me for a long time, or whatever the case may be. That's not how you build a strong relationship with another human being. And I believe, and there's a parallel with that. We don't build a strong relationship with God by guessing what he's thinking and then putting his our thoughts back on him. Since you're thinking that, he must be thinking that. That's not how you build a relationship with God. You read what he wrote, and you try to understand it and think about what it is. And so that's why Paul said, that by revelation, as an apostle, in verses you mentioned before, let's go back to those in Ephesians 3, that by revelation, he, may, he God, made known to me the mystery, that is, the things that were hidden, as I have briefly written already. So Paul says, when God gave me, by revelation, directly to my mind, God gave me a revelation, and I wrote them down, by which when you read them, you may understand my knowledge of the mystery of Christ. So, here is this mystery of the under, unknown things of God that we can't know that Paul refers to in, second, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 by saying no man can know the things of the mind of God unless God reveals it to him. Paul's telling you in this passage how you get that revelation by reading what he wrote. That's why Gary and I emphasize the written word uh, for, to you so much on this show. It's because that's the pathway to find out what's in the mind of God. The pathway to finding out what's in another human being's mind is to, is to look at them, to watch them, to think about what they say, to listen to them. That's the key to understanding, and understanding to watch, another and human being. And to watch being. their actions. Their, your actions also speak yes. as to what your will is or what you desire. But we, even without conversation, sometimes we can still misunderstand actions, can't we? Without any other knowledge, we might misunderstand an action. And, and because it, we don't know what's in the person's mind unless they tell us. The Bible says you can't know what's in somebody else's mind unless they tell you. So well, I'm going to stand on that as far as ESP is concerned. Well, I, I want to mention one other thing is if we believe we've gotten a revelation from God or we believe that we understand something from God, we believe that in our mind we've, we've settled on something, it still has to be compared to Scripture. It still has to be compared to what uh, the apostles are saying because what... Paul says in first uh, in Galatians 1 I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel right. which is not another but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ but even if we are an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you let him be accursed right. as we have said before now so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Now, Paul wrote all that down. 
the right. way we have to compare what we believe to what is accurate is to understand what Paul said. And if it contradicts what Paul says, well, we didn't get it from God. Right. We, 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 say, we know. And that's why he says in 1 Corinthians 14, about verse 34, 35, that if any man thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge the things that I write are, are the uh, right. will of God. So let him acknowledge what I write is the will of God. If he, if he thinks himself to be a prophet. So when you have prophets, you say they know God's mind, but it contradicts the, script, the scriptures. You know who to believe. It should be obvious to you who to believe. So you've got to be careful about that. Now, Gary, we've had a couple of texts here about 2 Corinthians chapter 12, which is when I mentioned Paul being caught up into the third heaven. Um, okay. I think, and, and it's also about revelation, perhaps. So maybe we should go, but, but th- let me summarize real quickly here. No, Jerry, if you're still listening there, I don't believe that we can know God's mind and his will just by sitting around thinking without reading the scriptures and meditating upon what God says and then bringing our thoughts in conformity to what's in the scripture. I don't think we can do that. I don't think that's, that, I don't, I don't well, think that's possible. The scriptures that's, and not how, that's not how the Bible says we can come to understand the mind of God. Well, Basically, what I think you're saying, Mike, is we read the scriptures, we understand the words, and we make rational interpretations, and that's how we bring our minds in conformity with God. Exactly. And I don't think we, I don't think it's good or fair or even accurate to say that we can communicate with other people through minds, through just our minds. Uh, the only way that can work in some way by looking at body language is two people maybe been married for a long time, come to understand each other. One of them can raise an eyebrow and the other one kind of gets a somewhat of an idea. But I'm going to warn you, even that, that can be very misleading and dangerous to assume that you know what your mate is thinking. There are very few things, and I've been married to Sharon for over 52 years now, but there are a very few things that I recognize that she does. And I've, uh, and the reason I recognize it is because it's repetitive. Because of, yes, because of, of, of previous conversations and that you right. had about it, and so more, now you more can than, know. More than once, okay, more sure. than once. You, you, and you get to know what it means, but even then you can still be wrong because you just don't know unless someone communicates with you directly as to what it may be. So we got a call here from Ralph. I didn't see that. Uh, Ralph, are you still there? How are you, Ralph? Doing pretty good. What's on your mind? Okay. Well, here, here's here's how. All right, let me let me see. Let me get. Let me take a shot at that. That um, I think that the, the Bible, the passage Gary referred to, is on is in Luke sixteen. It's a story that Jesus told about a rich man who died and went to a place of torment and a good man, Lazarus, who was poor, who died and went to a place of paradise. And they could see each other. And the rich man asked Abraham to send Lazarus over and cool his tongue and so forth. And and that's the context of it. And Abraham said to this man, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things. This is verse 25 of Luke 16. You received good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. Now, that's a, that passage directly says that here's someone after death, Jesus says, who ha, has a remembrance or a recollection of things that happened that were 
that were good, I guess, in this case, to him, but now he's being tormented because of the good things. So I would say this about that. Um, when a person, let's say a person survived a concentration camp and maintained their faith in God throughout, because a lot of people lost their faith in God because of concentration camps. So here's someone who went through that horrible experience, maintained their faith in God, and learned to understand that in a, in a better way than they did when they were young. And many people have written about this. People who survived have written books about this, how, this, this event in their life. And when they find themselves in heaven, in the presence of God, what they will have at that point in time that they don't have here on earth, that you and I, sitting here this morning here uh, in Port St. Lucie, don't have, is we will have greater knowledge and a full knowledge of the character of God and, and perhaps wisdom as to why he allowed things he did. We'll have the ability that, well, I have this now as an older man I didn't have when I was younger, to put things that happened in my life in a different perspective altogether than I did when I was young. And I have a greater understanding of things in my life than I did when I was young because time has passed and I see the whole picture. A person who suffered loss on the earth yet maintained faith in God and was eventually saved by that faith will have a different perspective. It will be, I'll give you an illustration. This is something I personally believe that I can't 100% prove, but I can give you the evidence for it. You remember the story, uh, Ralph, in and I think you hung up, but you're still there, I'm sure, listening. But remember the story where Jesus, after the resurrection, in his new body, comes to the disciples. Because Thomas had said, unless I see the nail prints in his hand uh, and feel the sword print in his side, I will not believe. And when Jesus appeared to them that day, in his new body, not the old body, but a new body that was changed, it was Still the same body, but it was changed. He held out his hands and said, Here, Thomas, feel the wounds in my side and my hands. Now, there's Jesus after his resurrection in which a glorified was, body. Which had to be an unpleasant experience. His, his death was, a, un, he suffered, and some say he was forsaken by God. He holds these things out to Thomas and says, Here, he still had them. I have a I have a crippled leg, Ralph. It's it's uh, deformed and shrunken because of cerebral palsy and a couple of surgeries, and I limp around on that leg. It's caused me a lot of trouble in my life and both physical and emotional difficulties in my life. My hands don't work right on my right side. Doesn't work right on my right side. I used to think in heaven I was going to get a new body and have all that stuff go away. I don't really think that anymore. Uh, I think I'm going to have the same body, and I may, have this, I may have the same, what we would call on earth, a deformity. But will it be a deformity in heaven? When I, if, I, if I eventually overcome the difficulties of life that Satan threw at me, and he threw many difficulties at me because of my handicap, he's thrown many difficulties at me. If I overcome him through, through faith in Christ, those handicaps and those scars will not be horrible they'll be a crown of, they'll be the part of the victory they may be more like a medal of honor they, they, they will be a medal of honor uh, in, in heaven so i just think and it's po what you're saying is certainly possible i don't deny that god can do what he wants we have a little bit of evidence we do are going to get a new body that's not like the old body we won't we won't be suffering pain all things all all things will be made new new in the sense that they're going to be, We'll have a new understanding of them, possibly. 
and they'll be re, re, redone. My body will be limitless. It will be uh, glorified even with whatever scars I may retain. Now, that's why I believe that it's possible that a person might retain s- s- memories of this earth because in overcoming those things on the earth, the pain he had, it will accentuate the joy that he once had. It will make the joy greater because of the suffering he had on the earth. Now to be in this place, remembering the suffering he had on the earth, and now being in heaven with God and the, and the peace and tranquility, it, it will be a greater blessing to remember those things. Now that's my view. I can't prove that 100% from the Bible, but those are a couple of reasons that I would give for that. Now, people, here's the, here's the opposite side of this. The other side of that's the man, the rich man in Luke 16, the one who was told to remember. All the good things he, he, he's told to remember the good things he had in life because you know what? That's all he's got left. He got what he wanted. He stepped on people. He abused people. He mistreated people like Lazarus, this poor man, wouldn't even give him the crumbs that fell off his table, much less help him. He got what he wanted in this life. He got exactly what he wanted in Abraham saying, you better remember that well, the, the torment, rich man because that's all you got. Well, Now you got torment. Well, basically it turns out, at least to me, Mike, that, that the torment is twofold. It's not just pain that he's experiencing because, you know, it's obviously he's in torment. But basically, he's remembering the life that was good and all the mistakes that he made well, he, and, and what he could have done to avoid this. And that's the pain. And not. Yes, and that's the, pa- that's the pain, pain of when you remember what the life was about, what life was about when you were uh, on this earth. And he remembers his brothers. He remembers he has five brothers. He tells Abraham, I have five brothers. Send Lazarus back so he can talk to my brothers about this because I don't want them to come here. So, yes, this man had a consciousness of his previous life. And uh, now this isn't the final state of heaven. This is an intermediate state of, of Hades before the resurrection day and all that. I know, and I know that that's something that, well, you know, was Jesus in his final state when he appeared to Thomas or was he changed after that? Uh, I don't know the answer to that. I, I don't think he was because here's what it says in Philippians chapter 3. We're, we're, we're going to be like him. Yes, in Philippians chapter 3, it says that uh, he's waiting for the coming of Christ, Paul says. Our citizenship is in heaven, chapter, Philippians 3.20, from, from which we also eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it might be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is also able to do all things. So he... Gonna, we're going to be conformed to Christ's body. John says in 1 John 3, we shall see him as he is. We'll be like him, in other words. But what I'm just saying, the picture we have of Christ's glorious body is it still had the scars from his battle with Satan on this earth. His battle with the Romans and the Jews still had these scars from that. But it was glory then, not shame. It was glory then, right? right. And so th- that's, that's my understanding of it. And uh, Gary may have something to say about that. Well, I just want to go back to verse 25 in Luke 16 for just a minute. It says, but Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. Basically what this is saying is 
you need to remember the good things that you had. Now, it doesn't explicitly say that he remembered evil things, but I, the implication is definitely there. And likewise, Lazarus, evil things. Now, it doesn't explicitly say that that's what Lazarus remembered, but the contrast here in the wording is that Lazarus remembered those things just the same, that he remembered his life and that it was full of some things that were evil. That's the implication that's in this passage. Now, it doesn't, I'll, I will yes, admit, I, think that's I, will, exactly right. I, I will admit that it does not explicitly say that, okay, but that it is implied in what is said. Well, well, if Lazarus can't remember his previous life, how is God comforting him for yes. experiencing that? In order to be comforted from something, you have to remember it. If, if his memory of it was completely wiped out when he died, then there'd be no need for wiping away tears or for comfort to be expressed because there would just simply be no memory of it at all. So, you know, and, and yes, I, I but can't that, speak that is 100% still a, about that is, those things. That is still an inference that we have to make, but that's an inference that we're guided to by the language. Yes. That's yes. an inference that we are guided to by the language that's here, and that's one of, you know, you know Mike, we, we have said many times that there are there are lessons to be learned in interpretation of the scripture and and these are some of them these these words are very often oh, yes. important well you know what here's the thing we started off talking about the fact that we don't have a tremendous amount of information about heaven exactly right. in explicit form and that we're, and here we are in this discussion now uh, 40 minutes in bumping into that very thing right that we don't have great detailed knowledge about some of these things so that's why i'm going to tell you i think that's the way it is you can read the same verses that i'm reading and you can come up with a, a, a answer for yourself about that i've changed my mind about what i just told you and uh, and over the years uh, desiring something new and fresh and you know all that as opposed to uh, being content to to be in the body that god gave me when i was born only have it changed and glorified according to christ because the the the, the will of christ Knowing Christ um, changes everything about how you view life, how you view suffering, how you view yourself over time. It changes all of those things, and it makes them all new, as it were. And, 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 I, and now I'm going to throw a monkey wrench into part of this because I'm going to say that when they encountered Jesus on the road, Apparently, they did not even recognize well, th There were some things that were the same about his body, and, and there the were things that were different, different about, about his, body. his body. It was a glorified body. And we, and that, and that, and that, now, the one view of this is that Jesus had a body looked a certain way on the earth. It was a totally, purely physical body that came out of Mary's womb. He lived with until he was dead. After the resurrection, he, he had a glorified body that could appear in rooms or whatever, and, and, and yet it was different. And yet the apostles were able to recognize. If they weren't able to recognize it as him eventually, how could they verify that it was him who they were seeing, right? On, and then some say that that body was changed then when he went, went up into heaven. When the men, they saw him ta taken up into heaven in Acts 1. And the Bible says, angels told them then, you know, you're seeing him go up into heaven. And uh, the, the way he... The, the way he's coming back is the in same like way as in like, like manner, manner he'll come back. Yeah. So, so that's right. Now, now somebody said, well, maybe the story of, of, of the rich man is a par uh, is a parable. Well, the Bible doesn't say it's a parable, 
the Bible gives a name for this man. In no other parable, if this is a parable, did Jesus ever name anybody. But he named Lazarus. The rich man's anonymous. Uh, but, and secondly, parables don't say things that aren't true. Well, par- parables they, they, they may also, be illustrations, but they don't say things that aren't true. Well, a lot of times when he's using parables, he will say the kingdom of heaven is like this or something. Yet this one opens up. It says there was a certain rich man. Basically, he yeah, it doesn't say this is a story about that. So he named him. He named well a certain rich man, yeah. and then here's the name. Now we'd have another text from um, I think a lady in uh, another listener, Sherry. He says the rich man could see Lazarus, but there's no indication that Lazarus could see across the, to the rich man. That would bring unhappiness to those in heaven who they looked and saw. No tears in heaven. Okay. Now. Um, but there was a means of communication, at least. That's what we've got to say. I, 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 would, say about, I would say about that, that, uh, uh, I would say about that, Yes, that's true that there's no direct indication that Lazarus could see the rich man. As I can remember the story, I had to go back and reread it here. It's right in front of me. I could reread it. But, um, and I've been asked that. Look, look, I've been asked that as a preacher at funerals. And here's people, someone bearing a child or a loved one. Uh, how can I ever be happy again? How can I, how, if, I don't, if I'm going to remember what happened on the earth, how can I ever be happy in heaven? Because you're going to know that Aunt, Aunt Susie's not there. You know, or maybe your husband or your child is not in heaven uh, because they were unbelievers. How, how are you going to be happy with that? Well, here's my answer to that. As I mentioned before, n- n- uh, we seem to think that we know God and, and so forth. We, we do up to the point that we can on the earth. But when I see people in the Bible, when I read about people in the Bible who encounter God, even in some secondary way like Moses and and Isaiah, they fall down as one dead, it says. John did the same thing with Revelation. Yes. They're so overcome with even just a glimpse of God's garments or near him that they're overcome with his greatness and his glory. And so I imagine that on the day of judgment, when we actually stand face to face with Jesus Christ and God himself, I believe that's how you get the statement that Paul can make in Philippians chapter 2 that at that point, every knee shall bow to him. There won't be any defiant atheists at the end by the time the judgment day is over. Okay, because, I, and I don't think this rich man was defiant anymore against God, was he? No. No, because when God reveals himself to them in a direct form, they will see just how who they are and who he is. And I would like to believe about myself that when I see God as he is in heaven, that I will not have any problem with what he did on the earth or in judgment or anything because I will be in the presence literally of true righteousness and true goodness and true justice, true mercy. I've told people, about my own grandmother, who I believe may, may very well be lost because she never was a, a true believer in Jesus Christ, who I love very dearly. Uh, I, I'm, gonna, I'm content with whatever judgment God gives her because I'll tell you something about that, Gary. 
I know that God loved my grandmother more than I did. Okay? Whatever I can say about how much I loved her and what I think should be fair to her, I know that God loved her more and God is more fair and more just and more kind and more, more, more merciful than I could ever be. So if you want to choose between throwing yourself on the mercy of God, throwing yourself on the mercy of some human being, always choose mer the mercy of God. Okay. Well, the question then becomes, becomes to be asked is, why are we not given this knowledge here on earth so we can understand these things? And, and what I'm going to say is because we live under a system of faith. God, we, we couldn't even understand. I don't think. I don't think we could understand if it was revealed. We, to we us may here. not be, be able us. to understand everything here, but we live. It's primarily the reason is we live under a system of faith. God did not intend to tell us everything here because He expects us to have faith. We live under a system of faith. What does He say? Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that comes to Him must what believe that He is, and diligently seek Him. Exactly. Well, see. Um, and that is it, ha having confidence that God is, is truly like the Bible says he is about his character and not like some pagan God who had no mercy and justice. But the true God of the Bible who actually loves man gives me the faith to let these things work themselves out. So, yes, that's why I think there would be no tears in heaven is because even though we are, might remember something like that, we now have understanding, and God is able to comfort us in that way with true understanding. And we'll be willing to understand and accept that for what it is in a good way. I don't know that we can here on the earth. And I certainly don't blame anybody who wonders about those things on the earth, having lost loved ones or other bad things happen. I don't blame them for wondering about that at all. But I want to encourage you to realize this world is not the last thing, and your thoughts now and your mind now and your attitude now will not be the same as they are when you've been transformed and put into the presence of God. There'll be a big difference in those two things. My, my daughter lost, uh, had a miscarriage uh, last week, and it's been hard on her and my son-in-law and the rest of us. But she can have comfort in that, in spite of the pain of that, knowing that if, in, with the faith in God that she has, she will see that child. That child is not lost. That child is in God's hands. It's not lost in the sense that the world would say is lost. And so whatever God decides about that situation, before, during, and after, we can have confidence that it will be for good. And I, I believe that the destruction of the wicked is for good. In the long run, that's what's best. Okay, that's what God says is best. He, he will have tried as much in a way in their mind to show as much mercy as he can, and then they will have refused to, uh, they'll have refused to, to go there. You know, C.S. Lewis gave me, a, I think, a better understanding of heaven than I had other places. Heaven is for people, I mean, hell is for people that just simply want to live their own life their own way, and they, they choose to do that, and they do that. They live their own way. Well, what did Jesus say when they asked him about Whose wife will she be? And he said, right. or basically he referred back to Abraham. You, you, you know, you're not 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? And basically Jesus said, for God is the God of the living and not of the dead. Right. Uh, Ken, said, Ken texted in, and he says, it, um, if I am in God's presence who loves me and I love him, 
nothing else matters. Now, that, that's a generic statement. I, I, don't, I, disagree, I agree with that statement. And I think you can flesh it out to understand when you talk about true justice and righteousness and goodness. When you see those things actually there, then I think all the things that happen on this earth will be put into a different perspective. And yes, we can then have uh, jo joy in the presence of God. We will know, we will understand completely how God has done everything he can to save even those who are lost. And that the world will turn out exactly as it should have turned out. I don't believe the world's going to turn out like God intended in the beginning. Because I think it says he desires all men to be saved, Second Peter chapter 3, and come to an knowledge of the truth. That's what his fundamental desire is. But given the presence of evil and free will, which he chose to allow free will to exist, in the pre and both for angels and men, then we know that because of that choice that God made, and I think he must have known it before he made the choice, some will choose to rebel. And yet he still did everything he could in human history and with individual lives to bring about faith and belief in those people and to save them by sending his son. And they still decided they want to have their own way and do things their way. And in the end, God will say, that's not going to work. He can't have that in his presence. And you and I will see the benefit of that in the end and the glory of that if, we're, if we believe in Christ and follow Christ. And by so the way, the, the scriptural references for that passage that I was looking at was uh, Matthew 22 and 32, uh, Mark 12, 27, and Luke 20 and 38. Okay. If, if, if those of you who are out there want to look, look at those, uh, basically that's where, and, and that's one of the primary examples of where Jesus made an absolute interpretation to convince them that there was a resurrection and that people were still alive in a sense after they were dead, and it turns on one word. It turns on the tense of the verb. And we have to understand that sometimes we need to understand these words very carefully. Right, right. So I think that there's a... It's, it's a difficult subject. We've gone off into areas we can't, you know, prove um, completely from Scripture one way or the other. We've made a lot of inferences. Uh, inferences, I, but I want you to think about these things, and I especially want you to understand that as a believer in Christ, one of the benefits of being a believer in Christ is, is this fundamental knowledge that God is good. The Bible says that without faith, Hebrews 11.5, it's impossible to please him. For those who come to him must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently, who diligently seek him. And the key there is diligently seek and, him. Right. And when So that's right. And if you diligently seek the Lord and you find him, you're going to see that uh, you will then be able to know that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He, he's not going to leave you bereft. Now, some would say, well, that's going to involve him uh, hitting the erase button on all my memories. Uh, I have come not to believe that that's true for the reasons I gave you earlier. If, if It could be true. If so, God knows best. Maybe he does for some and not others. I just don't know the answer I, to that. I just, I just want but, to make the caution that when we diligently seek him, he's talking about diligently seeking him in the scripture. Yes, and then when you begin to read that scripture, you begin to see what God's mind is like. Right. You see both the justice and mercy of God. You see as Romans 11 says both the goodness and the severity of God. You see both of those things because 
if there's goodness, there has to be severity. That those two have to be gone, they have to be together. A good man is not a good man if he countenances and promotes evil. Okay, he's not a good man anymore. If he can accept evil and he's fine with evil and doesn't bother him at all, then he's not really a good man. So God is not a good God who will tolerate evil ultimately and simply do nothing about it. He's not really a good man. Not, wouldn't be a good God either. So those two things go together. I know that doesn't fit our modern conception of goodness. Well, our modern uh, conception is, is, there, is, is it, overall toleration of everything. Uh, and, yes. And, and that's sweet. not... And that's not goodness in, in the final analysis of any of that. Well, even in Jeremiah, back in the Old Testament in Jeremiah 23, he says, They continually say to those who despise me, The Lord has said you shall have peace, and everyone who walks according to the dictates of his own heart, they say no evil shall come upon you. Basically, he's cautioning them. He says you should not be walking to the dictates of your own heart. You should be walking according to what God tells you. Right. That's exactly right. Well, Gary, um, we're going to have to wrap this up. I, we didn't really get into a, a more of a discussion of Second Corinthians chapter 12 about Paul being caught up into the third heaven. Um, I will, and, and I, you know, wouldn't mind doing that. But uh, I, I think that in, in that, pa I'm trying to, I've got it right in front of me here. I think there Paul is saying, I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, do not know. God knows. But I, I think this man is Paul because he goes on in the same passage to say that he, he pleaded with God that this thorn should be removed and that he was given this revelation so that he wouldn't be exalted over much, given the thorn in the flesh so he wouldn't be exalted over much. So I think he obviously is talking about himself. But in the end of this, he says to, that what he needs to understand – about his own pain is my grace is sufficient for you and my strength is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So that's why, that's the idea about the false thorn in the flesh is something he's going to be able to glory in, in the, eventually, not forget, as it were, because it's something that God gave him and that he overcame all this difficulty that Satan put upon him through faith in Christ, and that's going to be a crown, as you put said before. So anyway, we, well, that, we can discuss that, that passage honor, more later. Aspect of it. Yeah, we can we can discuss that more another time. But our time is gone today. We appreciate you listening to We Are Just Christians. Take a look at our website, wearejustchristians.com. Wearejustchristians.com, and, and look at our podcast for this show and our, our other sermons. And then come and visit us. We meet at ten o'clock this morning for Bible study. Uh, we meet at eleven o'clock for worship. Uh, we do have masks and sanitizer here for you when you come. And uh, we separate you out in the auditorium. But come and visit us. At, at, we're at 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard. So may God bless you, and we'll see you again next week. Open my God.